Welcome to the Spitball Sessions. Prepare to enter the world of mechanics, the future of game creation, the evolution of design. With your two hosts, Josh Noyes and Luke Boulay, this is the dawning of the new age of remakes. slash afternoon slash evening slash night everybody and welcome back to spitball sessions where you must defeat your games to complete your games my name is josh and i'm the host owner and uh, site developer or site manager of spitballsessions.com your home for all things spitball sessions and i'm joined by my friend my longtime friend and our website designer luke luke what's it like now that it's snowing outside snow I hate snow. Are you considering a new uh, winter-themed site design for the site? No. Okay. Frozen spitballs? Frozen spitballs. <laughs> All right. We're not doing seasonal site design. I like that idea, too. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what this get, this show is all about by uh, episode, what, 22 now? Uh, we take ideas <clears throat> and concepts and talk about how we can refine the gems out of them and make better games, or how we can take existing games and make them better, or other ideas like that, and then we pitch a game at the end of the show, sometimes, when we feel like it. Today we're talking about a game that I wish I liked, I kind of like, but I think could be a lot better. Is this actually a game? It is a game. It's oh. I actually played it on uh, my Extra Life stream last year, or this year. Uh, Campaign Manager. It comes out every four years. <laughs> Um, it's made by uh, the guys. It's actually made by the guys who publish Sins of a Solar Empire. Okay. Stardock. It is made by Stardock. Ah, yes. Uh, who also make, what is that series called? Gala- uh, Galactic Civilizations. <clears throat> yeah. They make Galactic Civilizations, which I actually need to play. I have Galsif 3 and I haven't played it yet. So uh, I've had it for several months now, too. It came free in a bundle. Anyway, so Campaign Manager is a strategy game about electing a president. That's why it comes out every four years. Uh, you either pick... Oh, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I showed you a little bit of this game. It, it takes place on the United States map, um, and you pick any of the... It's it's basically all of the existing candidates from that year, plus, you know, a half dozen <clears throat> joke candidates, like uh, 2016's version had uh, President Obama... Uh, Obama's wife, uh, Abraham Lincoln always shows up, uh, a couple other people, you know, a couple of joke candidates. Um, uh, and then I, I created my own joke candidate, Walt Disney. <laughs> and then you, you basically assign them different attributes such as, you know, media success, uh, charisma, talking, you know, basic, basic point by poly, you know, basic, basic character build point by stuff. And then you give them then they have a big list of <clears throat> important uh, topics of the year. Like like last year it was, uh, or, or in the 2016 version, it was like the economy, Planned Parenthood, oil, oil drilling, Black Lives Matter. You know, a lot of the things that were really big, or uh, fighting ISIS. You know, a lot of the things that were really big that year. Right. And then you pick your candidate and you go around and you raise money and you try to make, become popular by either talking about things that are success, good for you, bad for them, etc. <clears throat> and win endorsements from various organizations such as uh, the NAR, NAACP, NRA, that kind of thing. And then at the end, whoever is the most popular candidate, just like in the real world, uh, is elected president, and whoever's elected president wins the game. And so a lot of the, you know, a lot of the fun of the game is doing things like 
trying to make California vote Republican, which is kind of rare. Or, you know, trying to pick really weird things and make them very pop. You know, like I think at one point I was playing as Walt Disney, so I tried to make a bunch of like kid-friendly stuff uh, popular. And then somehow I wound up... Uh... Oh, I, I was up... I played one game where I was up against Hillary Clinton, who was the front runner in the most controversial topic of whether or not we should investigate Hillary's emails. She was pro-investigating Hillary's emails. <laughs> um, you know, weird weird stuff like that happens. And also you get weird things like the Democrat winning the NRA uh, support, and I had the uh, and I was playing a Republican who won the NAACP support. You know, weird, weird little things about things that really reverse history. And that's sort of where I feel like the game starts getting a little bit <clears throat> boring. I th- I think I think campaign manager is kind of fun for a light, kind of goofy strategy game. It's kind of a joke game. It's it's a joke game, and it doesn't really hold up all that well. So I thought maybe it would be fun to sort of talk about how to make the concept of political elections have a little bit more legs as a long term, more interesting strategy game. I know this is something that other strategy podcasts have talked about a couple of times. <clears throat> so I don't necessarily know that we're going to be breaking any new ground here. But it is sort of something that I feel like would be interesting to sort of talk about because I feel like this game is interesting, but it doesn't really <clears throat> it doesn't really hold up as, as a deep, long-term strategy game. It's very much a joke sort of poke and prod at the sort of the edges of, of politics and see what sort of goofy things you can do with it. Right. So... You know, my first thought about it is I think the biggest issue with Campaign Manager is that it starts after the primary elections. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who may be listening to us from outside of uh, outside of the U.S., in America, there's, there's, two, there's actually technically two parts of the election for a president. You have the primary elections, which is where the president goes around or the candidates go around to various states and try and try to become the leader of their particular party. So you have the Republicans and the Democrats and you have a bunch of different uh, people and then they are they are voted for during the primaries. And then after the primaries, then you have the general election, which is where the front runner of the primaries on each side compete against one another. And so the thing that happens a lot in campaign manager is if you're playing a Republican or a Democrat, you can say things that no sane Democrat slash Republican candidate would ever, 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 ever say simply because it's popular and it's something that you know is popular in that area. So, like, if I go to California, I can say, oh, yes, green energy, green energy. I'm totally in support of green energy. A Republican would not, most Republicans would not be in favor of that because their party is not in favor of that. But if you're in California, there's more Democratic voters, there's more, or there's more voters who are Democrats than there are Republicans. So you say the things the Democrats want to hear. In some ways, it's a very good satire of politics because it's basically saying that the key to being a winning president is saying what people want you saying what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that there is that divide in politics, which is yes, the voters in California want to hear green energy, but your party's voter voters in California don't want to hear that. And if you say that in California. Theoretically, that should actually make it worse for you in other states. So what you're saying there is one of the biggest things that this game needs 
is a better mechanic for working out how what you say affects your end result. Right. So, for instance, there should probably be a little more granularity as to what voters perceive. So, if you do say green energy, yay, yay, in California, all of the the general population's approval will go up, but the the what is it, Republican? Or right. I don't know much about politics. So, is okay. it Republicans? Repu- Republicans tend to be more opposed to green energy. Okay. So, but the Republican voters, they're general opinion should go down right and 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 that does happen in california but it doesn't like it basically how it handles it is it has three groups of voters it has democrats independents and republicans and each state has their own uh like each state has a relative percentage equal to what it, it actually is in real life um so there's two different kinds of ads there's there's local ads and then there's national ads so if you do a national ad of something like I'm pro green energy. Um, you will raise appeal with Democrats and independents, but you'll lower appeal with Republicans. Um, mm-hmm. So, so things like that can happen. But there's also, I mean, there are also topics like um, Walt Disney wound up becoming very pro ISIS because everybody was in support of uh, fighting ISIS. It's really weird thinking, imagining Walt Disney being like, we should go fight ISIS in, in, in the <laughs> Middle East. Um, I was actually considering the fact that I think he was a, a communist. Well, he was, yes. He was, he was, he was pro-Hitler at one point. So, yes. Fun. Yes. Walt Disney was an interesting, interesting man. Um, but I, I think that is something that, that definitely, you're, you're right, definitely needs to be looked into a little more is <clears throat> it's, it's very easy to sort of, yeah, sort of say what people want to hear rather than necessarily what. I think what reality. I think one of the things that should be like a factor is like bleed. Uh, mm. In that, say you go to California and you say one thing, and you go to another state and you say another. Yes. The fact that that's happened should kind of have a response. Like, well, you said this over there. Yes, like, absolutely. No one, especially in the world today, and this should be a, a significant factor no one is completely disconnected from the next state over absolutely so so there should be some of that so so your your message you have to be careful with what your message mm-hmm. actually is as you go from place to place so that because you could be shooting yourself in the foot and like if you con contradict yourself your general approval should go down oh that's that would be a good way to handle that yeah uh, i think another thing is that you can sort of like, there are topics that are, like, more popular versus less popular, uh-huh. but you can sort of shape them around you, which is not really how it works in reality. In reality, it's a lot more of the news shapes itself and politicians sort of shape themselves around the news. Like, it's not like, I think it should be about green energy. There will be things like, or, or, or I think we should go fight terrorism in the Middle East. It'll be like, there's a terrorist attack in the Middle East, and suddenly that becomes uh, a major thing. And in campaign manager, it's very much that the politicians make the news. It's I think this, I think that, and then if you talk about it a lot, it becomes very popular. What about like smear tactics and and, and counter campaign? Those are those are also hand in, handled in in a sort of a jokey sort of way where it's you you sort of buy people to take care of things like you can buy an eraser or you can buy a fixer, and mm. so if you send like a fixer around. He goes into that. He goes into a state, and he basically makes people forget about the other candidate. Ah, eh, no, I don't like that idea. That's kind of weak. <laughs> I I like the. Uh, it's very goofy. I, I like the idea of of like one of the things that that you often see is like uh, 
funded groups mm-hmm. like like oh oh I don't know Hillary Clinton did this that and the other thing paid for by people for hating Hillary Clinton I and technically paid for by by Trump right I think that's I think that's sort of what it's supposed to represent it just sort of handles it. so something with a little more accuracy in how that functions Absolutely. might be and, and, interesting. And, and, Yes, I mean it does. Like it does have a, a, a small upkeep cost, so I think that's I mean, you. You can make attack ads, but that's not quite the, like you can't have like you like you can make uh, attack ads, which basically lower their people's opinions on them. Like say I say I'm pro clean energy. You can also have give a speech where you say, well, they're opposed. They hate green energy. They hate energy, or or you could say they hate. They're they're pro ISIS. They like ISIS. They want they want us to be friends with them. But you and you can also run attack ads of the same nature. It's basically I support, I'm opposed to, they support, they're opposed to. I wonder how that's handled. Because, <laughs> well, like in, in my opinion, um, when when I see those types of ads, it's very easy to dismiss them because they're yes. so over the top. And I wonder if you can act. I wonder. Well, obviously in this game, I don't know whether right. or not. But in in if we were to make a game like this, my thought would be to actually have it so that. You actually had to be kind of like close to the truth to be more effective rather than being able to say whatever you want. Like the same thing with like as you go around saying this, that, and the other thing, you got to make sure that what you're saying is relevant and and doesn't conflict and all that stuff. Making sure that what you say isn't so over the top. Like, Mm. oh, Clinton eats babies. You don't want to vote for her. No one's going to go for that. I think some people would, but the problem is then you'd also get the cannibal. She'd also win the cannibal vote. Oh, well, hands down. Yeah, you can't have the cannibal vote. Okay. Nah. Um, well, actually, one thing that's one one thing that I think is actually really interesting about the way that they handle ads in this game, um, and I will say this is one of the one of the really interesting things that that I think they do do for despite it being a very late game is positive ads work quicker than negative ads. Negative ads, you actually need to sort of leave out there to sit for a while. Like, do it, running running a negative ad right before the end of the can like, right before the end of the game, like, in the last week or so, doesn't actually do all that much. You kind of need to let it out, get, get negative ads out there early and get positive it's ads. It's got to sit there and simmer for a while. Right. Uh, one, one of the things that the game actually does is it, it, it has sort of two different tracks that it measures, which I think is okay, but not... Still misses it a little bit, where it, it, it has popularity and then it has knowledge so like you could have like in california you could be hated but everybody knows about you Mm -hmm. um so like it it has two things where it has like the like i mentioned the fixer versus the eraser like one of them makes you less popular and the other makes people forget about you and i've never really quite figured out what not being known necessarily does (laughs) i love that you use both (laughs) on a person so they don't know who you are and they hate you i hate this person i don't know who he is but i hate him i i I sort of imagine them basically going around with the with the 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 men in black little flashy thing uh probably the idea is is that they're just ignorant of of who you are Uh, that could be they know you but they just don't know any of your values that's fair which which also feels i mean that doesn't quite i mean it sort of feels right but that doesn't quite feel right because like when at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, I'm like, is it better to be known and well liked? You know, like is it better to make my opponent known and well liked or unknown and not liked or hated? Like is is it better to have nobody know who she is and have everybody know who I am, or is it better to have everybody know who she is and hate her or hate him? Mm, that's yeah, because like that that's the thing is, and also like there's no factuality in that, right? Which is a big deal. It, it, like I, I would like like public opinion to be like honest mm. or or untrue, 
so that you could have like untrue but honest. Yes. And, and it might actually be kind of cool to use those those factors to have a pre and a post mm-hmm. campaign. Like as an example, the current President Trump. Right. Um, there's a lot of people who liked him, a lot of people who voted for him, but I would think that the post response to Trump is fairly negative because yes. his 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 actual like in office has re- been very brash. It's, well, not even that, but like the the general opinion of what I've seen has dropped yes. dramatically because people don't like him and they don't trust him. Right. Yes. No. I I, I think that's really good, and and I mean, that is sort of one of the problems with the game is that it sort of it, it ends at election night, right? Yeah. Is that? But I mean, the the other thing is that I think... <laughs> I mean, you've gotten Walt Disney elected, but was that a good idea? Yeah. Exactly. He's pro Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. You know, but I, I do actually think it's interesting because, you know, I, I think the reason they do it this way is because they want to make you an active participant. But if you look, because if you look at a, how actual politics works, like, we think, I think that candidates have a lot of sort of power over their message. But in a lot of ways, it's almost like, I think of it almost like, like when you're golfing, like, you could choose the club you're using and you could choose your approach, but you, you're sort of already playing on existing terrain. Right. Like you're playing on an existing golf course, and and to well, me- actually, that's a that's a really good way to present that because it's not just that. I mean, you have a lot of control. Yes, uh, you choose your approach, you choose your club, like you said, you know the terrain. Yeah, but you have no idea what the ball's going to do. Right. Well, you, have no- you have a good idea. Yes, but it could just shoot off like get caught in a drift a thing and like go right off into the water without Absolutely. intending to. And it, well, it, yeah, and, and and I think that's sort of true of politics too. Is like. I mean, you have control over your message. You have some control over how you react to your opponent's message, but you you don't have any control over the landscape. And if things suddenly come, like if a bird suddenly flies through in a golf course, you have to predict that. Or if the wind comes up suddenly, you have to deal with that. Likewise, you know, if some major news event sweeps through the, I mean, if North Korea declares war on us next week, that's going. You know, if if North Korea declared war on us during the election, that would have changed the brunt of the election quite quite dramatically that would have become a very popular talking point um and i think for me that's the thing that i would most like to see campaign manager change. It, it does handle like local politics very uh, pretty well where like something that's important in california might not be important in new york and something that's important in new york might not be important in, in massachusetts um but it doesn't really handle the concept of changing things up on you 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 know in one of you know, in the game where I played as Walt Disney, I made ISIS a very important factor very early on in the campaign because every because Republicans, Democrats, and Independents all thought ISIS was bad and they didn't like people who supported them. So I said, I don't like ISIS. My opponent loves ISIS. They love them. They want to be friends with them. And that worked pretty much throughout the campaign. It started out as being a people weren't particularly interested in it, but the more I talked about it, the more people paid attention to it. And at the end of the day, that one being one of the two most important factors, you know, one of the two most important things in the exit polls. So you are you're able to not only um, make a, a point about that, but to stand and actually build um, the build the opinion. Right. And, and, and basically by talking about it so much, people are like, oh, yeah, no, that is a really big deal. Which to some extent is true. Like there were there were definitely things in the 2016 campaign that were not an issue until the candidates started making them an issue. Like, I mean, we already talked about Hillary's emails. Like those were not an issue until the candidates started bringing them up. Like those mm. were, those probably would not have been an issue in isolation. So, yes, they 
you, to some extent, the campaigns could shape some of that. But at the same time, I don't think it should go from being completely uninterested to... Like, it would be nice to see the model just a little bit sort of... Yes, you you can make this an important point, but there are still going to be areas where nobody cares. Like, mm-hmm. just because this is an important point in some places doesn't mean it should be an important point everywhere. And if it's not an important point otherwise, like, it shouldn't matter in the exit polls. Um, I think that would be kind of a cool idea. Um, instead of, like, one of the things that, like, I don't know, kind of bothers me about this concept is the fact that it's like tailored around current events. And yes. I can see the, the the benefit, but I think a game like this would be a lot of fun if you took out the the contact with reality and instead you, have you it like being dynamically generated. So that like the mm. topics that come up, you have to think about and get a public opinion on and then yes. make decisions. Because like a lot of the stuff, like for instance, you were talking about how ISIS was a big deal because you're talking about it. Well, that's because... Part of the reason that was such an effective choice is because this game is modeled off of current right. things, and we know ISIS is bad. Right. So, so it was a no-brainer. But imagine playing the game where you're kind of like thrown into a world where y- you have to figure out what's going on. I was going to say that would, would be my first. That would be my very first uh, way of, of changing that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because that that would make it so you actually had to think about. Because it would be great because then if no one really cares, you're actually hurting yourself by talking about these things that are completely pointless. Like, cornflakes are evil, people. I'm like, why are you even talking about cornflakes? I, I should point out that there's a game called uh, Political Animals, which is very similar to Campaign Manager. I haven't actually played it yet. But that that is one thing I know that they did do is that they made it so that it doesn't play out in America. It plays out in fake land or fake whatever land. you want to call it. A- 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 Animaltopia or something. And so it's not... Welcome to the realm of Porkstania. Exactly. So it's not tied directly to current events. So I think they do do some of that with the sort of playing around with what's important and and, and change some of that stuff up a little bit, which I I may have to try that game and see if if, if that solves at least that issue, because that that I think is one that's a pretty easy fix. Right. And I I know Campaign Manager even has a little bit of, like, it can randomize some of the some of the issues. It can even randomize the populations. Like, I was playing in one where the populations basically modeled Earth, um, you know, where California is, 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 is fairly liberal, New York is fairly liberal, Wisconsin is fairly conservative, Alabama is fairly conservative, etc. And you could play it so it shakes it up, and you could have a very conservative California and a very um, liberal Alabama. I'm not sure that would necessarily... I mean, the, the other problem... So, if you want to call it that, is that the the American map is America is fairly well established, right? Like, yeah. we know that California has more has more electoral college votes than any other state, and we know that New York is the second most, and we know that Florida has the third most, and Pennsylvania has the fourth. Like, Pennsylvania has 30, 34 and Florida mm-hmm. has thirty two or whatever, you know, and California is fifty one or fifty two or whatever it is. Um, you know, so the landscape looks fairly. Similar. You, it's like playing on the same golf field every single it, day. It's playing. It's yeah, exactly. It's, it's playing the same golf course every time because, hey, if you could get California and Texas, you've pretty much already won half of the game. Now, in real life, that's extremely hard because California is extremely liberal and Texas is extremely conservative, um, and the same campaign will not work in both states. But in this game, you can. I mean, maybe that would. Be well, the, if we added the conflict features, so that if you're like trying to talk up Texas. Uh, and it was contrary to what you were saying in California. It would hurt both. I think we could do that. And I think we should also do, like, if you pick, like, you should, you could start by picking, th- like, when, when you start picking the game, you could pick topics that you are already slightly right or slightly left-leaning on. 
or have them presented or, or, or to you. Or it's called like strong versus weak or something. But if you do that, like you should already start off at an advantage or a disadvantage in states where those are already positive or negative. Like you yeah. start out as a complete yeah. blank slate in this game. Um, that like, that actually makes that that actually makes sense by by presenting kind of like a before you actually came to office, this was your position yeah, and your that stance. Be, that would be good. That would be great because then like you'd have California kind of in the bag already because they already know you. Yeah, actually, and that would which is true to life, right? And, yeah, I mean, like you already have a slight bonus in your home state. But, I mean, that actually works for or against you, because if you do create your own president or create your own candidate, I mean, if I know I'm going to be playing against Hillary Clinton, I'm going to also make New York my home state, or I'll make California or Texas my home state, because they're larger. Um, whereas in real life, you don't really have much control over that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's sort of the other thing, like, is, is I mean, that, that was something I did a lot, was I about halfway through the game, you get your vice president. Uh, candidate and they basically just go around and make you make people know more about you so i would send them out to a lot of the smaller states where i just neither of us really fought in like nobody ever went to wisconsin nobody ever went to new hampshire nobody ever went to maine if they're small you have two or three or four votes and nobody can you know and it's not worth spending a full week there which is true to life again which is which is sort of weird where it's one of those like this is real and at the same time kind of sad i mean like yeah it, in a lot it, of ways, it, that... it is it is sad in the same way that it makes you realize that no, in reality, like there's really only six states in the country that matter, and it's California, it's like California, Texas, Florida, New York, it, Pennsylvania, it, and Michigan. It very much reflects the flaws in the system, right? Doesn't absolutely, it? yes, and, and it it really instantly makes you realize, oh yeah, this is why this happens like this every year because there's only about six, maybe eight states. Actually, technically, in real life. California and Texas don't really matter. New York doesn't really matter because we already know what, you know, for the most part, you already know. You already know where they're going. You already know where they're going. So in reality, there's even less states. But starting out as a blank slate makes those matter because you could win over. Um, We should talk a little bit about the uh, the winning the um, endorsements because those are also really odd because it is literally just you earn, you build uh, different headquarters called like outreach headquarters or something, outreach centers. And those basically just earn popularity for your endorsements or whatever they're called. They're, they're, they earn like endorsements and you can cash those in for various endorsements. And each endorsement costs a little bit more of that currency to buy. They're a separate currency track, basically. Uh-huh. Um, you, you, there's three currency tracks in the game. There's um, popularity. There's, there's cash. Mm-hmm. There's the, the endorsement contracts. And then there's the the um, the the kind of money that you buy, use for buying like fixers and stuff. Those are their yeah. own separate. Those one is called like popularity, and there's called like outreach or something, um, and yeah, and they um, the popularity is interesting because like you could win things that like again, it's like a really interesting joke sort of way of handling it, but it's not anywhere near how it actually works because really you don't reach out to them; they reach out to you, right? And it's based on you aligning with like if I was going to do it, I would make it work more like uh, I can't think of the game, but you basically have to get close to a certain thing for them to actually be interested in you. So if you talk about, say, abortion a lot, um, the Catholic Church might endorse you. And if you talk about, or, or anti-abortion a lot, Catholic Church might might be into you. If you talk about contraception a lot, Planned Parenthood might endorse you. You know, make it so that you have to sort of fit a sort of model of what they're looking for. You have to hit certain topics often 
and talk about them a lot before they care rather than just saying spending spending the money to rather than just basically buying them right and and, and again you know as satire it definitely works but as as sort of a getting close to how it actually works i feel like it it's actually falls a little bit short i'd be I, i'd actually be pretty cool cuz that that'd be kind of like a almost like an achievement system yeah. where, where it says like you get to talk about this so many times talk about that so many times and then it would like they check off as you go and then oh yeah you've suddenly got planned parenthood on your side or the catholic church on your side right. or fidel castro's on your side oh who's that whatever and, 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 and again it sort of works in reverse because getting these people on your side makes you more popular on these topics actually do you know what would be a good idea mm-hmm. have both okay like, um, you because then you could have like, like you work at it, you talk about it, and you make it kind of a something you're interested in. And then they join you, right? Or you could find a way to pay them off to join you. Well, I, I because some people do pay to get attention on these certain things and to I, be involved. I, I think you'd handle it differently. If if, if I was going to do it that way, what I would do is you would have the organizations are topic focus because that's realistic and then you could have things like news outlets would be more money monetary focused where you could yeah. buy like you know and they're, and they're not worth as much but you could have like the washington post if the washington post gets if we stick with this sort of fame versus popular or fame yeah. versus likability like having newspapers endorse you would make you more famous and having groups endorse you would make you more Rel- make you more popular on certain topics but they handle it sort of backwards because it's not that if you talk about a certain topic a lot this group likes you and then you get more popular among groups that like them it's that if you buy them your ability to gain popularity by talking about those topics goes up so which is kind of weird so if you get endorsed by say the NAACP your ability to talk about race relations is easier you get more fame by doing that where rather than oh i've talked about race relations a lot so the naacp has endorsed me which means african americans are probably slightly more likely to vote for me right well i think it kind of goes both ways or because it's more likely well, to pay attention in, to me in in that regard you do have when you have an endorsement from say the naacp you're you are going to have more backing for them. They're not going sure. to fight you. So it kind of would be a way of like you, you've been you've been supporting this goal through the way you talk and what you mm-hmm. talk about. So they support you, which also would make it easier. Yeah, that's true. I, so, well, I, so it kind of works both ways. I think I think keeping some of that is good, but at the same time, working towards the goal rather than just yeah. paying it off using some sort of currency that's generic right. is and, better. And, and having it sort of... Yeah, but but and then having it sort of pay off in tor- in terms of like group popularity rather than just topic based, mm-hmm. and I think that would be, a, and, and I think that may be the other thing is it doesn't handle, uh, the game doesn't handle groups very well. It handles them as sort of, it's just everybody in a state just votes. Like it's not like, well, this state has a lot of you know let's say Hispanic people, or this state is is very has a lot of criminals in it, or this state is very into this that or the other. And to some extent, I could see why that is, because you don't want to start introducing things like groups and classes. And But, you know, the reality is rich people and poor people vote very differently. Race, races tend to vote somewhat differently. They have different interests. Like, the, I think there are groups you could touch on and say, hey, you know, these people are much, you know, the Bible Belt tends to pay a lot more attention to, say, religious-based endorsements. You know, things mm-hmm. like that. I think there are things you could do to model that sort of concept without... I mean, certainly there is a point at which you get very, very close to being offensive very quickly, if you do that, right? Yeah. Um, 
But I think there are ways you could do that that aren't necessarily. And, and again, maybe this goes back to maybe we don't don't set it on Earth. Don't put it in the United States. Set it in. I don't know. Set Voterland. It in, yeah, set it in Vodorland. 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 Um, Winter is coming. <laughs> and, and, and I think that would also do other things because that would also then allow you to change the size and shape of the map, which allow you to change the landscape. Like I think there are a lot of things you could do there. <clears throat> and then it would also even give you the things like you don't know what's popular, necessarily know what's popular. You don't necessarily even, you know, you would actually have to spend some time looking things over and thinking things out in advance rather than immediately hopping in and being like, all right, California, Florida, Texas, California, Florida, Texas, California. You know, you'd be like, okay, so where's what's popular here? What am I set up for? It, it very much becomes more of a, <clears throat> it's not passive per se, but it's more reactionary. Right. And I think that would really get you a lot closer to being, you know, I think, I think you could say that being reactionary isn't necessarily fun. There are a lot of games where, it's not, but you know, maybe maybe look at like tower defense as a way where you could do reactionary in a way that's fun. Well, I think there there'd have to be a balance <clears throat> there. Um, people who would play this game would be politically minded anyway. It's the, the idea of playing a game where they sure. can politic, and and just making sure that to start with they have enough information to go by yeah. and an understanding of how everything works. Is going to be important so that they can. So it's not reactionary. They're planning and they can. They have a loose lay of the land. I I don't necessarily mean reactionary in the sense of you like like counterpunching so much as reactionary in the sense of you taking a lay of the land and building your strategy around it rather than you building your. As opposed to in campaign manager where you are building the world around you, you have to build yourself around the world a little bit more. Take, here's the things that I'm already, here's the things that I know my character is good at. Here's the world that I've been dropped into. How do I capitalize on it? Rather than, I'm going to build a character that is going to make this world easy for me to get into place. Well, I think I think both are good. And I think we could probably build the mechanic to go both ways. Probably true. Um, I mean, I guess technically speaking, well, the way you described that, uh, on one hand, it would be, building a character and then seeing the world and then working it out. Right. On the other hand, you could probably just make it the other way pretty easily by giving you the lay of land and then building the character afterwards. Right. And as in the perspective but, of a but, campaign but, 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 manager, it might be yeah. more sensible that way because you're like picking picking the person whom you're hoping will win. Right. So maybe something a little bit different as as this is a game where you're the manager, not necessarily the actual person mm. running oh that might work yeah. you 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 want to choose like you have a whole bunch of people who are randomly generated right mm-hmm. and you have to pick the one that you think is going to have the best chance of winning based on the scenario that you've been presented that's true and then making it work that's true that actually would that, that actually might make sense is who you're who you're backing exactly but but at that point i would still say rather than making it that you're designing the character to be the most optimal you would be given maybe even given like a, like three or four characters and then you can tailor them a little bit right yeah um you know but but i mean that's sort of like that's sort of what i mean is in in campaign manager even without even before you look at the map you can make a character who will be successful because you're like well i know what i know what was popular in 26 i know it was important in 2016 you know i know that well i mean i know that isis was unpopular uh, well maybe you could work off of that yeah and build a game where it's it's multiple campaigns every like Mm. you play it as like a every Four years, quote marks right. here. You you run another campaign. I, sh- I should point out that campaign manager does come out every four years. They, well, they make I, a new one. I know. Yeah, 
But it, I mean, yeah, I agree. Having have, the ability to do like a historical campaign, yeah. Well, well, you're like like running through like a, I don't know a forty year segment, so it's like ten turns. Yeah. And every turn, you have the previous turn to go by to decide what direction you're going to take the candidate that you take this year. Where you could be like, oh, I want to opt to keep this guy going because he's got another four years. That's true. Oh, or, that makes sense. Or maybe I'm going to back this new guy because this guy's kind of old and fuzzy and not yeah. going to work out. That, that actually would be – yeah, that would actually be – and that actually gets around the problem of the primaries because then you have, say, two guy, like two or three guys that you know are getting near the end of the primaries and you have to pull in with one of them and – then you basically help them win the primary right? based on what, how they've already done. And then from there, so you're like, these three guys are getting near to the end of the primary. This guy's really good at, this guy's really charismatic. This guy's really strong on the issues. This guy's got a lot of money. Which one of these three do you think would be, do you want to back? Oh, this guy's really popular among this group. This guy's really popular among this group. And this guy's really popular. So you're, they already have a little bit of who they're popular on. Yeah, they already have a few topics they're, they're, right. they're famous for. And they have things to set them apart. That Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. All right, so we have our pitch then. We're, we want a game that is not necessarily set on Earth. Certainly not in the United States. Um, where the topics shift a little bit every four years. Yeah, I think a little extra complexity is important yes. here, especially when it comes to determining population, like having an idea of like, oh, there's there's 20 percent is this type of person, 13 percent is that and have some sort of actual formula, mm. complex, but understandable in the background that kind of dictates how people will respond to different different things and True. having enough features there to say, oh, and, and enough feedback whenever you do something, because the first few times that you play, you're going to fail. Right. But it's going to be the type of game where you kind of learn how the mechanics work as you play. It's like, oh, they didn't like this because you did this. Right. And you're like, oh, well, I see why that went wrong. So complexity is kind of important complexity in a game like good. that. I, th- I also think, you know, we, we talked several times about the this makes you popular with everybody. This makes everybody hate you. I think those should be a lot weaker. Like, not always. Like, I mean, obviously, there are some topics that everybody's always going to be in favor of. But, like... They shouldn't be instant win buttons. It shouldn't be that I can only hit on topics that are fit that always make me look good to everybody. They should either be localized to specific areas, and maybe maybe I can make everybody in say Arkansas really like me by hitting on this one topic. But it shouldn't be universal that there's one topic that has no downsides to supporting and has right. nothing but upsides. Right. And it, and it's one of the stronger topics in the game. Like that should that I mean that at that point it feels like a very much like an instant win button. I think what what should happen in in those cases is there should always be a chance of a failure in some ways, mm-hmm. so that in certain cases and it should be like it shouldn't be something that just randomly comes up and just kicks you in the, in in the crotch. Yeah, it should be something that's like oh there's always a risk reward on any any topic that you pick. Yep, and that way there it can be better balanced. Yes, absolutely, and. And then the, the the final thing is rather than letting you sort of create a character, sort of do it like Rogue Galaxy or Rogue Galaxy, uh, Rogue Legacy, where you sort of have three ca- three candidates who are distinct enough uh, for you know for whichever side you pick. If you want to play Republican or Democrat, or I mean, you're not going to be on Earth, so you could call them something different if you want. Even Zorkians versus Mo- Mo- Moblians. Oh, uh, what was that? What was that? Um, a yoke up or, or a yoke down? Sure, yoke up or yoke down. That's it. It's from, um, is that for Alice in Wonderland? I have no idea. I think it was one of those things. It was like a whole country, and it was because half of them liked the yokes up and half oh, of them liked oh, the um, um, I think it's Dr. Seuss. It might be Dr. Seuss. Yes. Or, uh, are you thinking of Butterside Up and Butterside Down? It might be. Yes, yeah, the Butter Battle Book. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, they they started a nuclear war over whether you had your butter toast on the buttered your toast on the top or the bottom of your bread. Perfect. Yes, I, I actually actually that's that's a super fun. Uh, we'll have to talk about butter battle book some other time <laughs> uh, because that is one of my favorite Doctor Seuss books. But we should we should actually do one about like making a game out of off of a book and what, yes. what book we would want it want it to be. Well, we we, we will have to do that absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so that I think is our pitch, and we will call it campaign. Manager. Manager. <laughs> no, we got to uh, uh, no, we'd call it Votaria. Votaria. I like it. Yeah, we, there we go. All right then. Name it after that. name it after the fictional country that this is going to be set in. Votaria. Votaria. All right then. Where and the voters that. vote for you. <laughs> I like that actually. Where the voters vote for you. No, in Votaria, voters vote you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we will move into the mouthwash. Welcome back to Spitball Sessions, where we move on to the mouthwash. Today we're going to be talking about uh, chivis, achievements. Chivos? Chivos. Cheetos brand chivos? <laughs> Cheetos brand chivos. <clears throat> uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's good about them, what's bad about them. It's probably just going to be nonsense, isn't it? What's good about them? Chivos. What's bad about them? Chivos. Yeah. Done. Done. So, Josh, what do you think <clears throat> about achievements? I think I don't have enough of them. <laughs> I'm, I, we, we talked about it a little bit before the sh- before we started recording. I still haven't decided whether I like achievements or not. There's there's definitely a good side and a bad side to them. Um, it's funny because I like we talked about. It, I used to be like super collector heavy when I played uh, Final Fantasy Eight. I went through and collected every car and collected every item and collected everything all the gfs and everything but i don't i don't really do achievement collection do you mm, yeah i mean if 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 an achievement is nearby or if it's an easy achievement to get while i'm doing something but like i don't i never go for what on what, what they would call on the playstation like the platinum achievements like i never go for get all of the achievements for this game or you know, I definitely don't usually do the things like play 15 hours with this character or do these 75 no. trials. or That's just not the kind of gamer I am. I play, you know, I usually play games to experience them. I don't... The kind of games that I want to play for a challenge are not the kind of games that tend to give a lot of achievements. I kind of like the, the ones that kind of like kind of like give you some information on how you're playing like oh yeah hey look at that i've killed my 500th slime i didn't even know that i did that yeah i mean those are cool or i mean um you know like tales of magiel i think actually has more achievements on it than any other game it's something like 1089 achievements which is insane that's a lot it's it's a lot well there it's it's technically what is it 370 something multiplied by four difficulty levels oh okay so um so there's that and and some of them are like i those i actually have gone out of my way to get a few of them but i'm not getting them i'm not going to get them in every achievement or at every difficulty level but they have you know i would say that a lot of a lot of achievements for me sort of break down into three let's call them categories you have your your narrative or your progression type 
ones, which usually come come about during during the game. I remember back in the days when I had a 360 playing uh, King Kong. Yeah. That game had 10 achievements. Yep. And each one of them was for one of the 10 chapters in the game. Yeah, exactly. They did that. Like those kind of things, um, I you know I think probably my the the best one of those, and I think you'll probably agree with me is the achievement. This is the part where he kills you from <laughs> yes. Portal Two, where yes. he says, "This is the part where he ki- or where well, what, Gladys was- says, or he says, this is the part where I kill you." Gladys says, "Uh oh, I think this is the part where he kills us." The title pops up. This is the part where he kills you, and then immediately afterwards, the achievement pops up. That was the part where he killed you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or if you, once you get out of it, it pops up and says that was the part where he killed you. Um, hey, how are you holding up? Because I am a potato. Yes, that's a great game. But that's like an the thing game. is, like that is one of those things that only works because Valve, in the way that Valve does, thinks about these things in a way that nobody else does. In the same way that they thought about first person when the original Half Life came out. And in the way that they thought about how moving around in a space happened when the original Portal came out. Yes. Like, they they thought about achievements as more than just, oh, we'll just put these in because people like them. Like, they thought about why achievements do what they do and how to use them in a way that makes people interested. And make it reflect the game much more effectively. Yes. And I think, and I think we'll get back to this, but I think a lot of, I think a lot of your problems with achievements and probably a lot of mine stem from laziness. And, oh yeah, and being used lazily, um, laziness so, and abuse. Well, yes. Um, well, I think I think they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that there's there's like the narrative the narrative bucket, which are the ones that you tend to get in the storyline, and there's usually five to ten of those. If I, in most games, I think about I'd say probably half the achievements tend to be in games that have achievements. Yeah. yeah, about that. And then there's usually like five or six that are like challenge based, and then there are like five or you know like about a quarter of them tend to be challenge based, and then a quarter of them tend to be like cool stuff based shall we say like i don't yeah. know what you what you want to call it. like like the, the ones you actually are excited to get um like in trials there's one of like get through this entire level without using the forward or back buttons where you're only just changing your speed right where you can't lean at all and then there's another one where you can only lead you can't adjust your speed you have to be going through at full speed right. like those kind of achievements i actually like of the three sets of achievements, I think those are the ones that I most enjoy because it's like try doing something that you've never done before or whatever reason to do. Like, yeah. There's there's no reason to go through a level in trials without leaning forward and backwards. That's stupid. Yeah, you're cutting off half of your control. Right. But it was actually really interesting trying to do that. It's um, a good way to refine your abilities. It's a good way to refine your abilities, but it's also just – it gives you the ability to say, hey, I did this really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas – Oh, I killed, I mean, you know, killing 500 monsters is cool, I guess, but it doesn't really give you the same sense of satisfaction. That doesn't give you that instant satisfaction. Right. Um, you know, the milestone achievements, let's say, the kill 10,000 mobs. Kill f- Those always just make me say, man, I've played this game for a really long time. Yeah, there is something to be said about that. Um, you know, like NBA has a lot of, has some of those kind of achievements where it's just like, oh, you played your 500th game. Oh, man. <laughs> Those games are 30 minutes long. I spent 100 hours on this game. Congratulations. You're pathetic. Gee, thanks. Uh, universe, uh, what is it? You uh, Talk for a second, but Universe Sandbox is the war. Oh, actually, I can pull it up right Well, here. actually, thinking about Terrible, I, I can think of a couple of games that have some pretty awful achievements, like the shaming achievements. 
Yeah, oh, yes. those like uh, the first one that comes to mind is lollipop chainsaw. I believe if you position the camera to look up oh, her yeah. skirt, it gives you a specific achievement that you can't get rid of. That pretty much it's like it calls you a pervert. Yeah, and so everyone knows that you're a pervert. So here, okay, here's one for you. Start up too many. Start universe sandbox ten thousand times. Gives <laughs> you an achievement. Imagine taking the time to actually get that achievement. One one rule. Run the game for 12 months. Whoa. Not not start it up every day for 12 months. Run it for 12 months of actual real time. Because hmm. it also gives you an achievement for play it for uh, 60 seconds, 60 minutes, 24 hours, 30 days, and then 12 months. That- so you'd, li- you'd have to leave your game running for 365 days. Leave it on for a year. Yes. I'm tempted to do that. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could. There's no reason that, not to. That sounds to. like a, a fun thing to do, even though just like leaving your computer running. I, I mean, if, if you're not playing it, that would be fun to do. The idea of playing Universe Sandbox for... For one year. For how... What is that? 365 days. 365 days times 24 hours. Is a lot. So, yeah, it's like, uh, what? 600, 7,000... Yeah, it's like 7,000 7, hours or something. No. 70, sorry, 70,000 hours. 8,760. Okay. Well, it's more than I thought, but less than you did. Yeah, I, I, I said 10,000 originally, which is you're right. You said 7,000 originally. Okay, 7,000 originally. Which I thought was too little. Wait, oh, okay. no, I thought was too much. Ah. And then you said 70,000, and I thought that was way too much. Yeah, that's way too much. No, okay. So it's, it's a little over 7,000. I was, I, was, I was close to right the first time. That's a I lot of hours. Yeah. That is a lot of hours. That's, that's an excessive amount of time. Um, imagine podcasting for that much time. Uh, no. <laughs> I actually now want to see how many people have that achieved. Oh, uh, 0.8%. 0.8%. Wow, that's, that's kind of which, sad. Which, I mean, to be fair, some of those I actually like. Like, the, the initial startup achievements are actually kind of interesting, because this one actually has a very high achievement, which is uh, 90.8%, which is actually much higher than most. Like, most games that have achievements within the first five to ten minutes, mm-hmm. I find usually 60% of people who own the game have that achievement, which means that 40% of people who have that game have literally never played that played most games. I probably don't have that achievement. For Universe Sandbox? Probably not. Start up the universe. I do have that one. Okay. For instance, the uh, NBA 20, uh, 2K17 um, has an achievement that you usually get about, eh, let's say, five hours into a career. About half the people have that achievement. Mm. Um, if I look at... 10, 10 to the third or a thousand times. Wow. <laughs> yeah, too many. Yes, that's that's that. I I agree with them on that one. That's, um, yeah. So um, I thought I had some of these achievements. Phantom Brave is eighty two percent. So that's actually a little bit higher than I was expecting too. So, I, but but I find that a lot of games, you know, at least ten, probably twenty twenty five percent of people have never even played most games that are in their library, which to me is, I don't want to say necessarily telling because. I think it's telling about something. I don't necessarily know that it's telling about the quality of any individual game. But, you know, just looking at some of these achievements, even just for, like, Phantom Brave, take 10 items home, complete a random dungeon. Okay, those are cool. Those are things you're probably going to do in the course of your game. Complete various chapters of the game. That probably going to do that. Mm-hmm. Completed the bonus scenarios. 3% of people have gotten that. Reach level 9,999. 2% of people. What game is that? Uh, Phantom Brave. Oh, okay. Reach level 9,999. 
2% of people have gotten that achievement. And that's halfway up the, the difficult, or uh, unlocked all achievements, less than 1%. You know, it, some of these achievements are just like, like I could just pull up any random one and I could pull, I could probably find at least two achievements that I just go, uh, no. Um, oh, good grief. Reset tier. Why is that on the top of my list all the time? This is the game your wife has played more than any other game ever. Oh, it's so annoying. I have 628 hours on this game. <laughs> and I barely touched it. I I, I probably put about 50 hours. I mean, so that game, that game we played the other day, that I showed you the other day, um, uh, They Bleed Pixels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so 80% of people have started the game. They completed the tutorials, which is already not bad. But, you know, once you start getting through the first, like, the first level... 50, 60% of people. You've already dropped off 30% of the people who've got well, through this. that kind of tells you the level of staying power that that game has. And it, it does it's provide... It's really some... hard. Yeah. So, But here's the thing. 30% of people... Or, or you get a 30% drop off through the first level. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to the end of the second chapter, you're down to 16% of people who've completed it. Wow. So you've dropped off 50% of the people who have played the tutorial... Or, 80% of the people on the game have played the tutorial. 60% of those people have not made it past the second level. <laughs> that's uh, or, or second second world. That's definitely a hard... So, so I mean, achievements are a good way to get some static information yeah, about I mean, your that's, player that's, that's actually... I mean, that is actually interesting telling. But, I mean, I think I think those are... Those are... I, I could see being very useful for a, a designer, a developer. Yeah. Um, but, like... I mean, these all come out of gamer score, right? Like this—that's where these whole things started. From, was Microsoft from Xbox, yeah. trying to make things people? Pl- I mean, if if we really want to talk about it, it was a—I I don't necessarily want to say naked, but pretty naked, brazen attempt to get people to hold on to games longer, not to play them more. Yeah, to play them more and not trade them in. Yes, that was the big thing, and ironically, it actually led to the exact opposite because people were trading games like crazy to unlock. Every single game they could get, right. Without owning them all, right. So and they were they. It actually boosted the the the, uh, the used sales market because people were so insane about building their gamer score. And, and this is a this is a this is a major problem. I think um, a lot of people get obsessed with chasing that yes. g- chasing gamer score, chasing your your achievement count because like it's actually damaging uh, like the Steam yes. store. Because people are actually producing games with the sole purpose selling bundles that allow people to just get thousands of achievements that yeah. are pointless. Yeah, and especially on Steam, like at least at least on Xbox, whatever you're feeling about gamer score is, like at least it gives you some like at least there was a at least there was a tally there. At least there was a number, right? It was mm-hmm. oh you know, you complete because each game was what, a thousand a thousand points? Yeah. A thousand so points. you could either either totally complete all of one game or you could partially complete two games like if you weren't one of those people like you know if you weren't one of those people who's obsessed with achievements you could still get a fairly high gamer score by buying games and playing them your normal way right and yeah like i do go if you see some that look fun you do them and if you see some that don't look interesting to you you don't do them right i'm gonna get to my thesis right here in the middle i think achievements are great when they accentuate your play style 
If you're the kind of person who wants to dig every ring, every last drop out of a game, achievements are great for you because they give you more things to do, more ways to do them, give you some things to try. And if you want to be the kind of crazy person in, who in Fallout 4 gets all four endings and collects a hundred gajillion things and meets with all these people, you get cool little achievements for doing that. You or get rewarded for you your get rewarded. Work. Or, or if you're one of those crazy people in, in, uh, Phantom Brave or, or Disgaea. If you're one of those crazy people in Disgaea who wants to get a weapon, go into your weapon, level that weapon up to 999, go into that weapon to get the super weapon, level that up to 999, and then use that to level your guy up to 9,999, they've got an achievement for you. I'm sure, it's, I hope it's called something like, you're a crazy person, because <laughs> that's about 400 hours of grinding. Eh, Give or take. It's about, it's probably about 70 hours of grinding. But... I hope so. I hope it's called waste of time or something. But if you're the kind of person who really, really, really loves this guy and wants to do that because that's fun for you, I, I will pull it up right now. I guarantee there's an achievement for that, um, and that's great. If that's you know getting something cool for something you want to do is awesome. It's when it's it's when it make. I think for me, it's when it makes people do things they wouldn't otherwise do that it really bothers me. Yeah, there there is a, that that sad side of uh when you're when you're going out of your way to play games that are terrible just to get the achievements out of them. Yes. That is kind of gross. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Or or even just Oh yeah, so there's one in here for deal a million damage or 100 million damage. Woohoo. Uh clear 100% of the dark world stages. I should point out these are all less than 2% of the people who have gotten these yet uh, so far. Reincarnated 10 times is 3%. Ah, there we go. Total level ten thousand. Six percent of people have gotten that, which is actually—I'm actually surprised. That's more than I would have figured. So that's if. So that's one level of beyond nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. So apparently, the game, I didn't actually realize the game goes above nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. So if you want to be well, the person, you're one level off, man. I know. So <laughs> if you're one of those people who wants to get your characters to level nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine plus one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, Disgaea Two has an achievement for you. It got. It's got if you want to be one of those guys who wants to get your, your character to level 9,999, 9, well, I'm sorry. There isn't an achievement for that. But there is one if you get one more <laughs> level after that. Yes. It's even called Master Grinder. So, you know. You That's can... a little too positive for me. <laughs> I mean, you know what? At that point, when you get that, you're going to be crying in shame. So they got to give you a little bit of re- positive reinforcement. I guess, yeah. I, I guess you got to have to... Cause because they're probably a couple of steps and, away from just like... And, and don't get me wrong. I like Disgaea, and there, there is definitely a logarithmic thing. After, you, after you've started gaining levels, it gets easier. But I played 60 hours of that game and didn't make it past level 50 on any of my characters. So I can't imagine it grows that logarithmically quickly. No, probably not. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I like... I, I think for me, like that's that's a lot of it. Is I don't like it when it makes people buy games just to get achievements, and I really don't like the stuff that feels on either end of it exploitative. Things like the, I mean, like this guy, it makes sense because there are people who are going to want to do that. If you give them numbers, they're going to want to get all the numbers. But there are games where it's like collect every item. Oh, that sounds like I know there are people who do that, but it sounds unpleasant. Like, like I can't imagine playing. Well, I guess in Crackdown you had to, but can you imagine playing a game like Crack? Or there's one in Just there's one in Just Cause where it's collect seven, unlock seventy five percent of all villages because even they realize that get a hundred percent of all villages is insane. Um, 
what was that? Uh, I was playing GTA 5. The one for the 360. Okay. I think it was 5, but it might have been 4. It's, it was 4. 5 is... No, you're right. 4. 5 is the newer one. Yeah. And I remember, for some reason, I was hunting the pigeon achievement, where you have oh, to yeah. find and kill... 100 pigeons. 100 pigeons. Yep. I got to... 60. Yep. I gave the game back to the person who gave it to me. Yep. And never touched the game again. Yep. Because that was just I I got that far. So what am I doing? Yeah, like like for for instance, I think a, a game very similar to that, uh, Saints Row Three. Mm-hmm. I love Saints Row Three. I think Saints Row Three is the best of the open world crime games. Yeah, I adore it partially because it doesn't feel like that. It's much lighter. It's much funnier. It doesn't feel as 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 kind of icky as Grand Theft Auto makes me feel. Right. Yeah. Um. You know they. It it is it is a joke. It is a parody, and it is having fun the whole. Like you start out the game, doing a bank robbery by dressing, and all of your characters are dressed up in giant mascot faces of your most famous care of of the most famous member of your gang. So you're your gang disguising yourselves as a member of your gang to go do a bank robbery. Hilarious, and it's that level of joke. All the way. It, it doesn't sound that funny in concept. Watching it, it's it's pretty funny, <laughs> but it. But I mean, that, that gives you an idea of how seriously the game takes itself. Is yeah. None. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very tongue-in-cheek. And they had, you know, and I got a lot of achievements, and I even went out of my way to get some of the achievements because I was having so much fun. I'm like, yeah, I, I will totally do the go around and do all of this kind of mission because I enjoy this mission. And then there was the mission where which was basically like an escort mission, and you had to do like 12 of them. And I'm like, those aren't fun, and I'm not doing those. But even beyond that, there was one where you had to go around and find... Kind of like the pigeons. You had to go around and find a hundred blow-up dolls. And they were just hidden in random places all throughout the world. And I think I did four of them. And I'm like, you know what? No. I like this game. But I don't want to go around and find a hundred things just sitting in random places. I think um, I played one of the first Arkham games. Oh, Arkham is the same thing. It had the Joker trophies, right? Yeah. Or the Riddler Riddler trophies. Riddler trophies. Exactly. Yeah, the Riddler trophies. Yep. Those were annoying. I found a winner too. I was like, oh, these aren't too bad. I'll try that. And then like... I missed a couple on a, on like one mission and like eh, not doing this anymore. Well, the, the Riddler trophies in, in Arkham Asylum, I think, were reasonable. Like they were hard, and I didn't get them all, but like I could see how you could that they did. Like, and part there, of the there reward were like, was actually like reading the, or or listening to or whatever it was related to finding that specific trophy. There's always something, some yeah. content attached. There, 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 as there, well. was, there was some some of them were some of them were I mean some of them were basic things like. Get X number of combo points or combo X number of times or whatever. But some of them were like, oh, here's a thing. Here's a clue to a famous Batman villain. Let's see if you could find the thing in the world that represents that villain. And trying to find some of those. And those I found really fun. And then I got to Arkham City. And there's 400 of them. And they're all just things sitting in the world. And you had to figure out how to unlock traps to get to them. And you had to... uh, and it like was like you got to use speci- like you got to use special and some of them were fun like oh in this one like oh I see I thought you had to do this but it's like oh okay you have to hit this and then you have to hit this and then you have to shoot these things and then you have to jump backwards and like some of them were kind of cool but there's four hundred of them and you have to get all of them if you want to fight the, the Riddler and I just like that game was already long and I didn't finish it because it was already so long the idea of then going back and doing four hundred Riddler trophies. Like twenty five of which you need Catwoman for, I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. And I think that's sort of representative of a lot of the the bad stuff with achievements is that sort of they put them in there to extend the gameplay, but they don't think about well, how do we make these fun and interesting? It's just like, well, start grinding, buddy. 
yeah, there's a very different, big difference in that that attitude. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to. I think it's kind of hard to 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 not accidentally cross that line. I don't. But the thing I will say, like, I don't, I don't have a problem with them having one of those in there. Mm-hmm. But it's when they're all like that. Like in in this case, it was if you want to see the final, if you want to see the best ending, you got to get all four hundred of them. If it was, hey, if you do this, and we'll give you some extra bonus. Con- or, I mean, I guess it technically was because you were fighting the Riddler. But you know, if it's one of those like, like for example, in uh, in Final Fantasy X, mm-hmm. there's the there's the thing where you got to go and dodge the lightning bolt two hundred times. That is a pain in the butt to do. I believe it. But if you do it, you get a little thing that gets you an ultimate weapon for one of the characters, which is cool, but not necessary. But if you if you want to hundred percent the game, you need it. But if you want a hundred percent the game. There's a lot of things in that game that are a pain in the butt to do to 100% the game, but you're clearly one of those people who is driven to do that. You don't need any of the ultimate weapons to finish that game. Like, you could finish that game with a fairly medium-level party, but if you want to be that crazy person, you could do it. And I think that's the kind of achievements that I like is, uh, I guess I've already said this a couple times now, but if you're enjoying it, play more of it. If you're not enjoying it, you don't need to do these. Go, yeah. Go about your business. And as, as as part of this is kind of like a a, a way of, of like kind of highlighting what developers should and should not do. Yeah. Uh, the point I guess we're making here is if you're going to make a game, make sure the achievements reflect your game well and, yeah. and are fun and interesting. Because if they're just grind fests, you, there's there's no point. You're just wasting your own time throwing in stuff that people only only die hard achievement hunters are going to go right. after and 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 those people you should not be paying you should not <clears throat> you get cater to them but you should not be that should not be your central audience because those yeah. are the those people are crazy all right now i'm going to shout out to a specific game that i remember from a few years ago i believe that this was a uh it was a flash game okay oh uh, achievement a- unlocked yeah <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yes. Achievement unlocked. This that is elephant, a that music. Fun game. Oh man. It brings <laughs> it brings me back. Yeah, it, I love that game. That was hilarious. It's not really a game though. And no, fact, it's not. It's 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 kind of like uh somebody's shout out say, to achievements. Yeah, I was gonna say it's almost a parody of achievements. Because exactly. the game the game in and of itself is meaningless except for the fact that you're collecting like, yeah, that, that, literally all you're but, doing is unlocking but, achievements. I mean that's like the best example of, of uses is. of achievements because everything unlocks an achievement. I, I think the other game that is also feels very much like a parody of achievements to me is uh, Little Inferno. Oh yeah, yeah. actually, because uh, so in Little Inferno, uh, just just to explain what we're talking about, um, you're burning things, mm-hmm. and you unlock uh, stamps yep. to speed up uh, the uh, the the shipping of specific items by combining certain objects and burning them together. Yep, but you only get once. It only works once. It only works once. And the yeah. things will. And after you use that stamp one time. That thing will still take the same amount of time to get there the next time. It'll still take long. It, it only speeds the item up once. It, it will, but even, it's though, really, even it's, the slowest stuff in that game doesn't take that long. I think the, no, it's the longest one is like a minute. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's actually really interesting because it's it's a parody of it feels like a parody to me of both achievements and pay to win games at the same time. <laughs> yeah, or or like those not not pay to win but like those energy type games. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I will say one of possibly my favorite response to uh, the achievement things is uh, Bethesda. Yeah. So back when Games for Windows Live came out, I think it was Fallout Three or Fallout New Vegas, one of those two. 
Probably New Vegas. I think that's around the same time. Um, I think I think I think both were on both were on Games for Windows Live. I don't remember which one they figured this out for, but the guy, giant bomb guys figured out. Oh, you can just go into the console and just type "Give Achievement One," "Give Achievement Two," "Give Achievement Three," "Give Achievement Four," "Give Achievement really? Five." Yeah, and and because Games for Windows Live was cross platform, it would give you gamer score. So they were just <laughs> going in and they just gave themselves all of the achievements. It oh, took that's beautiful. about three minutes. And people found out about this. They complained to Bethesda about it because they're like, you're devaluing gamer score. And they're like, basically saying, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. um, because, and they're right. Like, why should they care? Like, why should a developer care about gamer score? Like, gamer score at some point became a thing that, like, the only people who cared were hardcore, were people who hardcore cared. Nobody else cared about gamer score at all. Right. Um, and I think, like, and, and that's true. Like, I really enjoy unlocking achievements. For about a year, I think. I think for me, maybe it was six months, maybe a year, where I did. I got into that, like, the achievement thing really bad. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, I'm going to be I get every achievement for this game. And then at some point, I'm just like, no. There's like, really no point. A, there's no point. Especially on Steam, A, there's no point. But B, it's like, I started, real, like, at first, there were there were a lot of games where, like, oh, these are reasonable achievements. And then people started coming out with achievements that I'm like, this is just insane, or this is impossible, or like, I mean, Crusader Kings has some insane achievements. Um, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't ever want to play a game in this way. Like, that's just not something I want. And this is sort of what I go back to when I say that, like, for me, a lot of the games that I, that it's weird, like the games that actually I want achievements for are games that don't give achievements. Like, <clears throat> I would love if Toho had achievements. I would love if I would love if Cataclysm had achievements. I would love if you know I would like games like that to have achievements and most of those don't because it is about the satisfaction of doing it yourself. The games that all have achievements all tend to be story-based and occasionally strategy games. Mm-hmm. And I just like a story-based game especially it's like usually I'm playing like the story is the part that's motivating me to keep playing. I'm not playing these to be some game, you know, some master gamer here. I'm playing these because I don't know, like maybe pl- maybe platformers I could see being one where it would be where it would be fun, but like the the ones where I wanted are like challenge type games, and those never had it. Like even skate like would be great for achievements, and I don't remember that yeah, having a lot of achievements. I mean, you're already pursuing challenge anyway. Yeah, exactly. So adding an extra layer to that wouldn't be a bad right. idea. Like, oh hey, you managed to do a grind for two and a half minutes. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Or, like those kind of things would be cool. Or or in Toho, like you managed to beat an entire level without getting hit, or you managed to beat the entire game without getting hit. Like that would be awesome. But Toho's just like, I mean, Toho technically does, because if you beat the game without uh, restarting it, you, you know, you get the best ending. But that's not quite the same. Hmm. You're looking something up over there. What are you looking up? I'm trying to find my old gamer, uh, my Xbox Live game account. Oh, no, that's right. Okay, so I lost my old one. I have a gamer score of 40. I, I, I unfortunately don't really know that I have all that much more to say. So maybe you have some stuff to say, because I... I think I think there's a lot of that. Uh, I think we covered up most of of what is there. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's been very good for the community because it has has produced a lot of games that, in one way or another, because the focus was achievements, 
Yeah. It becomes less of a game. I can understand certain games, including like 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 you said, Skate would be a great yeah a great game to or have something gratuitous like space that. battles. Gratuitous space battles would be another great one. Does it not have? I don't think it. Does. I think it came, I think it kind of came out before that craze. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but there are actual like bundles out there of these horrible farming games, not like farming simulator right, games, right. but games that were created uh, flip <clears throat> uh, asset flip games where they just put in. 500 to 1,000 achievements. and I still don't understand the point of that in Steam. I think in this particular case, they sell the games to people who want to... Oh, get achievements. Like, you can buy a bundle that has, like, 5 to 10 of their games, and it's like it's called the, I don't know, 30,000 achievement bundle. Uh, you buy these games, you run them, and you just build up a, I just an I don't understand account. the point of Steam achievements. Especially since... It's, it's only for those peop- those type of people who, like think it's a good thing i guess and i don't understand I mean, especially especially since like there are programs you can run that will just give you all achievements for all games that you own yeah but that's not exactly the same i mean steam will kick steam will eventually ban you or used to ban people i don't think it does anymore i think even they've said like we don't care because steam because achievements are kind of meaningless yeah which is is kind of sad but you know i can understand the appeal of of completing something difficult and yeah. getting rewarded for it. Yeah, no, that's the stuff I like. Yeah, I agree. That's the stuff I like. But beyond that, I think it's more harm than help. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... I don't necessarily know that's more harm. I think it makes people design games in ways that make them longer. Like, I think it 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 allows people to excuse padding. Right. I think I think that may be maybe what you're what you're getting at. Yeah, is that like they're like, well, it's all right if we put in a bunch of filler because, well, we put an achievement in to get. Or, for or also <laughs> using achievements to expand the game without any more content. By sure. literally by just putting in the yes. extra bit of code for an achievement that says "hop two hundred thousand times," you forced a person to push the jump button two hundred forty thousand times if they want that achievement. On the other hand, wouldn't it be awesome if, to be rewarded for jumping 240,000 times? No. Because I'm going to be jumping for 240,000 times you, anyway. Get, go over there and jump. No, no. I mean, in a game, I jump all the time, constantly. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, if, if, if I if they – I will say if they gave an achievement for dashing the entire game, I would like that because I tend to dash a lot in games. I hate walking in games. That like a percentage thing, like yeah. If you, if you da- dash seventy five percent, or if you travel. ran like seventy five percent of your travel, yeah, yeah, that'd be like, kind that of fun. Be fun. But again, like it's not necessary because I'm going to be doing it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of nonsense in that. So to finish up, uh, is there any games that you've been playing? Uh, what have I been playing? I've still been playing a lot more NBA Two K Seventeen. Uh, I've played a bunch. I actually have been going back a little bit and playing some more uh, Total Extreme Wrestling. I don't know why. I started listening to a podcast and it made me play a little bit. Uh, Medieval Engineers had a, had a patch recently. Uh, they've updated the world map again. I like it. Unfortunately, it's just really hard getting... The game is really slow and it's really hard getting back into. We'll have to play that again sometime we will I keep that forgetting that I have it. I know. Um, yeah, I like it, but it's one of those... It's like any of those games. It's like I need to be in a specific mood for it. Oh, um, I played a bunch of Wayward. How's that? <sighs> I like it, but... Uh, yeah, I could see the butt coming. <laughs> you, I don't know. It's, you sound conflicted. I am conflicted about it. It's it's a lot like it's a, it's a lot like Cataclysm, and I think that is both good and bad. Uh, it is a Home roguelike... Cataclysm? 
What? Homo- no, like right, like with the roguelite, like Cataclysm DDA. Oh, oh, CDA. Um, okay. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's really hard. Um, everything is a random chance, including things like lighting a fire. Um, oh, that's terrible. So, I mean, it's supposed it, it's supposed to be a very hard and brutal game. I've not even managed to make it to like what you would call what I sort of call tier two. I've, I've sort of made it to tier two, where I can start crafting metal. I haven't quite made it past that. I don't know. It's it, it's it's got a lot of the same problem. It's kind of the same problem I have with Cataclysm, which is like by the time I feel like I've gotten far enough that I kind of know what I'm doing, I'm then killed. So I never really feel like like I feel like I'm I learn you, one you, thing. I, I have to play an hour to learn one thing, and then I die. And then I have to play an hour, and then I learn another thing, and then I die. And then I play an hour and five minutes, and I learn another thing, and then I die. Like I, I wish I could get into the meat a little bit quicker. Yeah, I like can. twenty minutes instead of an hour. I, I can understand that. Like the thing That's about something... roguelikes is you start out in the thick of things where in this you don't even start building up to the roguelike part of it for an hour. That's something I, I'm I'm trying to figure out how I would make that work a bit better because mm. I actually do want to get into building this roguelike I'm yes. talking about. Um man, that's gonna be really hard. Oh, and I also played a bunch of uh, I started watching a YouTube series about it. Uh I'm not ready to say too much about it, but I've been trying to play from the depths. I'm terrible at it, like really, really bad. Uh, I think I need to go through the tutorials. I'm, I'm sure. Is that an underwater game? There's 89 tutorials, and I've gone through four. Oh, <laughs> tutorial. Oh, oh it's, 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 it's brutal tutorial levels. Oh, um, oh good grief. And I think I'll, I'll let you talk about uh, the spatials a little bit. I still haven't played it. Oh, well, I'll talk about the spatials a little bit. No, don't. Bit. I, 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 I'm kind of trying to go into this blind. I know it's like Star Trek and... Uh, and, that was and basically what I was going to say. It's Star, it's Star Trek and Dwarf Fortress. It looks really good. That's fine. I intend to get down and, and play some of this. I'm probably going to stream it. I just I have not been in a streaming mood. And I, had a I lot know, I know it's on Giant Bomb because I just updated the wiki and for I it. I was so ready to play it. And it, it is finally on Twitch's list of games good. so I can play it. Because You know why? Why? Because I wrote the wiki page for it on Giant Bomb. Oh, fancy. Awesome. That's 100 wiki points, everybody. Boom! <laughs> okay. So, um... I'm going to talk about what I've been getting into recently. Okay. Uh, first off, funnily enough, I'm going to hit on this. The uh, on me, final part of the Zelda Breath of the Wild expansion ah, yes. came out. The DLC? Oh my goodness, it's really good. Is it worth buying the DLC for? If I, I wasn't going to buy any... Honestly, in my perspective, it was, what, 20 bucks for the full pack? Was it? Okay. I think so. 20 or 30 bucks. The first half was worth it. Okay. Because the um, the challenges for the sword... Which I think you would love. They're really, really hard. Okay. But that Does that count as an achievement? In a way. Okay. Because you do get an award, but it doesn't actually like flag. That was sort of my. Well, I mean, that was sort of my. Like that's the other kind of achievements that I think are fun. Are the are the things just circling real back real quick. Those I think are fun. Like doing doing things and getting something in the game. Those are way better than achievements. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and on that. So um and the second one it starts and this is a bit of a spoiler. Spoiler, it starts with, um, it's something to do with the four divine beasts. So when you complete the four divine beasts, this quest line unlocks. Oh, okay. Uh, when you have the paid part. So if you're starting from scratch and you've paid for it and you're just starting the game now, once you unlock the four divine beasts, you go back to where you, you woke up. Oh, okay. Uh, you put your, your tablet on the pedestal and a gigantic tum- tuning fork of doom pops up. Nice. The fun thing about this tuning fork of doom is as soon as you take it, it drains all of your health except for a one quarter heart. Oh, wow. And it's a one hit kill weapon. Nice. 
So you actually. So it's Dante must die mode. It's sort of right. So you have on the plateau. There's a certain area you have to go to, and you have to defeat all of the monsters in this area without dying. Oh, jeepers! And once you complete that, then it unlocks four new um, sub shrines. You go to those, and there's four. No, there's three. Each one of these little things that pops up has three uh, locations that it, it shows you. You have to go to those locations, complete a challenge. It brings up a new fancy shrine. You complete the shrine. When you've done all four shrines, uh, I believe you fight the, the, the boss again, but only using the weapons that the um, character that, that died at that had. Oh, jeepers. So I, I did the, the first one I've done, Urbosa. So you have Urbosa's sword, her shield, and that's it. And you have to fight and oh, defeat yeah. the boss. And then when you do that, it gives you something really nice. Nice. I still haven't beaten the last two bosses. I still, I have to, I'm going to try to finish so that good. game before the end of the year. I, th- I think I think I'm going to make that my goal is to try to beat it before the end I, of the year. I'd say it's worth it. It's, uh, I love this it's game. Just, it's very good. I, I, yeah, I, I don't. I keep getting distracted with streaming and playing PC games. Well, there's tons of stuff right now. So, um, the big thing I really wanted to talk about is I finally got my hands on a Switch. Oh, yes. And I absolutely love it. Now, disclaimer here, I am totally a Nintendo fanboy. I freely admit it. I, to a creepy extent. I wouldn't say creepy extent. Probably just I under would. creepy. Just under creepy. Okay. Uh, and, oh, brain cramp. So I've had every single console since the Wii U, and the Wii U was so bad that even though I have it and I like it, I swore I would never buy a console from Nintendo on release again. Wait, did you say you've had every single console since the Wii U? I've bought, well, I I bought the GameCube, I bought the Wii, and I bought the Wii U. Those were the ones that were oh, available to, to the, me. up to the Wii U. Up to the Wii U. Every one that I, I was, was like, around I've to every, actually personally pay for. I've had every Nintendo console since their last console. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was not what I, was, I meant to say. No, I've been buying um, since I've had, you know, money to buy, right. starting with the GameCube. Yep. I bought them on release. Yep. And the Wii U, I didn't. I said I wasn't going to anymore. I did. I bought it on release, and I kind of regretted it. Yeah. As much as I like the Wii U, it, I, I understand why it failed. Yes. So with the Switch, I waited, and I finally had some extra money, and so I bought the Switch, and I love this thing. It's fantastic. It's fast. It's fi- effective. It, the games look great. So I've got three games for it. I played all three, and I love them. Um, Mario Odyssey. I can see why that's like a, a 100% five-star game. It's very good. Very well engineered. You're going to be playing this in a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that. Uh, I've got Xenoblade Chronicles, which um, it scratches the JRP itch for me. Every now and again, I want a kind of a classic-ish uh, JRPG. And it's not really a classic JRPG, but it, it feels like one. Down to the really bad voice acting. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it also... Is kind of buggy and and clearly it was rushed. It's not the best, especially when it comes to the Xenoblade Chronicles line. Yes, I have friends who've played them all, and and they they confirm well, the Xeno that line. The, the the Xeno line has always been very solid in their game, but this one uh, is a little lacking in quality, and yep. it shows, it, which is unfortunate. I still think it's a worthwhile game, but maybe don't spend the $60 like I did for it. Yeah, wait till it's on sale. Unlike Nintendo-based games, it will probably go on sale at some point. Now, 
the one game that I think absolutely re- reinforces what the Switch was designed for is Stardew Valley. Mm. Because the entire concept of the Switch is being able to play on the TV, pull it off the stand, and taking it somewhere and playing. Like, what are you giving me? <laughs> funny looks. I'm not. I'm playing around with my screen. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So. What's awesome about this is is that Stardew Valley seems to fit that. Having this game, which has been on the PC, and like even with a laptop, it's not very convenient to just pick up and play a little bit here and there. But with the Switch, I can now do that, and it, it so suits that model very nice. well. So at that, I absolutely love. I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming up next in this, and I am, I'm ready to go. Nice. Are you, you going to get the new Fire Emblem? I might, yeah. I think I think for me, Fire Emblem seems to be the thing that keeps selling me Nintendo consoles, which is silly because I never beat. I've never. I don't think I've beaten a Fire Emblem since like. Yeah, Fire but how Emblem many 10. hours do you put in it? Like on average, on one of those games. At least thirty. At least okay, because I was going to say if it's thirty or more, then you've justified the purchase. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've I I I mean I put I put fifty hours into Fire Emblem uh, Awakenings. I think I put at least and I put at least thirty into Fire Emblem uh, Rebirth. So. So yeah, I'm by no means a completionist. I yeah. play games until I'm done playing games. But I, I would I would like to beat them, but at some point it's just like I get pulled away and they get very hard and <clears throat> I am a completionist when it comes to Fire Emblem because I do not like losing characters. And at some point it's like uh, I've beaten this level seven times you know, I've played this level seven times okay. and I get frustrated. So it's not that you're a completionist as in you just don't like losing characters. I don't like characters dying in Fire Emblem. I really want to get to the end with all yeah, the characters. Yeah, you're not a completionist, you're a perfectionist. I am a perfectionist. Well, not even with most ga- Fire Emblem specifically, because not only do you lose the story stuff, you also lose the character stuff. And the characters, some of the characters are pretty interesting. Some of the characters are really fun. I like the characters. Uh, like, you know, I don't want my character's wife dying in Fire Emblem Awakenings. Like, that's just not cool. Like, don't let your wife die, dude. Don't, don't let your wife die, And dude. the funny thing is, like, she actually starts out as, or no, sorry, in uh, Rebirth. She actually starts out as the weakest character in the game, but if you could shepherd her up over Ted level, she becomes one of the most powerful characters in the game. So, I did, I'm going to play more of that game. At some point, I just don't play handhelds all that much anymore. But uh, well, you get yourself a switch, and that'll that'll change. I can do that, or I can just plug that in, take that into the bedroom, and just stop playing iPad all the time. Yeah, yeah. I keep watching stuff on my iPad. But anyway, right. I think I think that's all I've I've got right now to talk about. Um, I'm again really excited about the Switch. I think it's a great solid game, uh, solid system. We've been talking back and forth about whether or not this is going to be a good system, and uh, it seems very promising. And the response from the general public has reflected that. So. Oh yeah, did I mention? Did I did I talk on the last podcast about Battle Chef Brigade? I think you did. Yeah. Okay. Because I was gonna say Battle Chef Brigade, amazing, awesome game. Just so it. It is one of those games that makes me laugh and just laugh in joy the two times I've played it. Just, just think, laughing out loud. I think that game actually inspired one of our first podcasts. It inspired our eighth podcast, episode eight. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, no, it just... The art style is... You, you, know what, you know what the art style reminds me of? I've, I've, I've been thinking about this off and on. It looks like anime, if anime was drawn by the guy who did the, the art for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, yeah, no. I can so it's see that. it's like it's like Victorian style anime. Uh, the 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 writing is fun and funny. It it's semi predictable, but it's well written. I I think I like about it a lot of the stuff that I liked about Ruby, which is it feels like it feels like something that is made out of a love for that sort of 
Japanese anime style while also sort of having a little fun with it and pe- playing with it and sort of tweaking it, tweaking its nose at it just a little bit, just sort of being sort of fresh with it. Yeah. Um, but it plays really fun and it's really stressful, <laughs> like really stressful because it's you have five minutes to basically play Monster Hunter and play Bejeweled at the same time. Oh, yeah. Um, it's great. Pick it up. It's only 20 bucks. Really, I, I, re- really give it a... I agree. Super popular. I haven't played it, but I've seen it, and it looks like it's, a supremely good game. And it's it's beautiful. It's just it's beautiful. It's well done. Pick it up if you if you if you have twenty bucks lying around. I, I would there, say there that, you that, go. There, there's your, there's a your Christmas bonus gift game, right there. Spend, spend your twenty five dollar Christmas bonus on on Battleship Brigade. It even comes with a turkey, in the game. Okay. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Battleship Brigade. Uh, so good. Josh is going to tout it twice. I am. All right. If you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas, please send them to us at spitball.sessions at gmail.com. You can also check out our other writing and articles at spitballsessions.com, even though we don't have any currently. We'll, we'll work on that. You can find me at twitch.tv slash thedrell or at thedrell on YouTube. You can find my friend Josh here at twitch.tv slash koholos, that's K-O-H-O-L-O-S, or at koholos on YouTube. I'd like to thank Josh again for editing this podcast the poor guy's gonna go out of his mind trying to get this one uh, yeah I'd also like to thank Josh again for joining me for this exciting episode of Spitball Sessions tune in next time till then keep your feet in the batter's box and your eye on the ball because we'll have another hot pitch thank you for joining us for yet another fun episode of Spitball Sessions we hope you had a good time Please pay attention as you exit the stadium to make sure that you're not run over by any cars, trucks, or other moving objects. If you'd like to contact us, you can drop us a line at spitball.sessions at gmail.com or on Twitter at spitballsession. Please leave us reviews on your podcasting platform of choice so that other people can help find the show. Remember, we can't do this without you. And come back in two weeks for the next exciting installment of the Spitball Session. Remember, only you can prevent bad games.